Hello and welcome to Plot Trists. This is Lane. This is Meg. And today we're reviewing To Catch a Rogue by Beck McMaster. This was published in 2018 and is the fourth book in the London steampunk Blue Blood Conspiracy series. And we have reviewed all the previous entries in this series, as well as all of the entries in the previous series. Beck McMaster is one of those authors who has written the majority of her series in the same universe. So there are call-outs and call-throughs. I would actually not recommend reading this one without reading all of the previous books, including in the previous series. Yes, and uh, I don't always agree with Lane about this, but I do in this case. This is a series series. There are plot points that run from the beginning of the first series, the London Steampunk No Colon series. <laughs> through the uh, through the the blue blood conspiracy series um anyway i it was um i don't know i i've said before i really like beck mcmaster's take on the paranormal romance i love it and um i think the series is really good this one was a huge departure for me yes in a way i, I wasn't necessarily like i didn't i'm not saying i did or didn't like it but it was just very different Mm-hmm. I agree. Yeah. I want to talk about that later because I, the first time I read this book, I had the same impression. So, uh, I guess we start with the book jacket. Let's do it. An impossible heist, a thief and a rogue, but will she steal his heart instead? The company of rogues finally knows the identity of the mastermind behind a plot against the queen, but their enemy is still one step ahead of them. When he kidnaps one of theirs, the rogues plan a daring rescue mission that will lead them into the heart of the bloodthirsty Crimson Court. It's a job for a master thief, and there's nothing Charlie Todd likes more than a challenge. To pull off the impossible, Charlie needs a crew, including the only thief who's ever been able to outfox him. He broke her heart, but now she must risk it all to save his life. Lark spent years trying to forget her past, but the one thing she can't ignore is the way a single smile from Charlie still sets her heart on fire. When he proposes they work together again, it feels just like old times, but she has one rule. This is strictly business. It's Charlie's last chance to prove he can be trusted with her heart, but Lark's keeping a deadly secret, and as passions are stirred and the stakes mount, it might be the kind of secret that could destroy them all. Good jacket. Yeah, I like it. Yet again, the same issue I have with every single one of Vic McMaster's books. You don't know that it is a paranormal romance. This was also the first book where I wasn't sure which characters were vampires and which were human. Mm -hmm. Like, she didn't explain everyone. In the mm -hmm. Russian court, in a way that left me a little bit baffled at times. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I I will say there is a final chapter that that is more of a... It's the, it's the kind of... Not chapter. I will say there's a final paragraph in this book jacket that Lane really doesn't like, which is why we didn't keep it in. It does that thing that's like, this is from USA Today bestselling author, but your master. But it does say that it's Ocean's Eleven meets Dracula, a sexy paranormal heist. So the final paragraph does reference that it's paranormal. Yeah, but overall, like, this series has leaned really hard into the mystery, so it'd be really easy for these jackets to spoil the books. And I think 
Beck McMaster, whoever wrote this copy, did a good job laying the groundwork, but not spilling anything that would affect people who want to read this for the twists. Yeah, I agree. And this book, or this book, yeah, this book is like twistier, I feel, than the others. I agree with that. Yeah. To, to the point that I couldn't follow all of them. There are a lot of twists. There are a lot of twists. And there are so many twists that I feel like this happens in movies or books like heist books, like Ocean's Eleven. Like you don't follow it until the very end because that's when the strings get pulled and you see the pattern. On the other hand, they do this great job of obfuscating what's going on so that you don't have a good chance to to verify whether they were like logical choices or logical twists. You're just like, oh, that's why they did that. And you don't think that hard about whether they should have done it or not, right? I can't decide if I wish I'd read the first eight or nine books in the first two series before we read this one. Like immediately before. Oh, immediately, yeah. To like keep everything fresh in my head. Or if I'm sort of glad I didn't get caught up on the details because I wonder how inconsistent some of them were. It's both. It really is both because, yeah. No, I agree. And maybe, I don't know, maybe... That can't be the why. I was ambivalent about this book the first time I read it. On this read, I was very enthusiastic about the book. I really enjoyed it a lot. Okay. So, yeah. Well, as usual, we generated a random number between 1 and 50 and then wrote our own summaries using that number as the word count. And this episode, that number is 12. Meg, you want to start? Sure. When your childhood crush and current obsession heads into danger... You follow. Obviously. Mm-hmm. Duh. Duh. All right, mine. Charlie and Lark jumping over rooftops. J-U-M-P-I-N-G. First to come wins. Her. <laughs> the way we like it. <laughs> yep. So tropes. It's always been you. One of my favorites. Yeah, this is the childhood friends to lovers, but in this variation, they've had a rift for the last couple of years. Mm-hmm. So they've been keeping their distance from one another. Yeah, it's not quite second chance romance, right? Because there was never a first romance. But they are they are childhood friends who grew apart, I think is the closest, it, that's what tracks, right? But actually what happened is something far more traumatic. Yes. So, which I'm sure we'll talk about. It is a spoiler for the fifth book in the first series. So, FYI, if you haven't read that, that's a spoiler for that one. Um, What happens is there's a final battle with the big baddies and her guardian um, dies. And Charlie feels that it's his fault. Also, Lark almost dies, and Charlie makes her a vampire. <laughs> yep. So now they're both vampires. Yes, they are both vampires. Which, I'm going to be honest, almost feels like a twist in a paranormal romance. Yeah. That, like, there's no... The the conflict of this book is not, oh, should I... Should he turn me? Should I become a vampire or not? Right? That's not at all the conflict of this book. Yeah, that conflict was overcome when she was bleeding out on the battlefield. Yep. She has a secret identity, 
sort of. So like she's been living under an assumed identity since she got to England. So she's not like living a double life in the sense of like she's switching back and forth between two identities, which is often what you kind of see with secret identity. Like she has been living as Lark for 14 or so years, basically. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I There are aspects of this that I absolutely love, like love that we have to get into. Like I thought we're so good. Oh my God. It was so great. Uh, so yes um okay he is a virgin hero fyi and it is the type of virgin hero that is because he's been waiting for her it's part of the it's always been you trope yes so that's it's all wrapped up he has never had sex before because she has never been willing to have sex with him yep yep i love it can i say that i love it i love it meg we're all so shocked (laughs) (laughs) all right what are some other tropes there's an oh my god dress moment, which is the reversal of the oh my god pants moment. So mm-hmm. Lark is always in pants. She masqueraded as a boy for a while on and off. Um, and apparently there was an oh my god dress moment in their past, but he did not respond appropriately. Mm-hmm. So she's got to really one-up him with the oh my god dress moment in this book. And it is leaned into so heavily that like I feel like taking the foot off the gas anymore here would have made it like a little eye-rolly and the fact that she just like full steamed ahead through every part of the trope and like laid it on so thick is what made it work all of it it could have been like oh this is just Perry because this is this is the same trope that happened in book four of the previous series I know. My face is that meme of the woman doing calculus. Yeah, like thinking, like, okay, which book is that? Yeah, but or at, you actually, you are correct. It was in book three. <laughs> Glad you could see in my eyes. I was like, I don't think that's right, but I'm also not sure enough to challenge you. <laughs> it was in My Lady Quicksilver, um, but it wasn't. They weren't the main characters, which I think made this slightly different and perfect. Yes. That's great. So they're not only are they thieves, they're also spies. So they spies. have I know. They've infiltrated the Russian court, which I have a lot to say about. And um he has to watch while she goes to work. And part of what she does is seducing a mark. So And he again goes through the full jealousy it's just your job but is she liking it and she throws it right in his face it is that whole sequence from her walking in in the dress to them in the lab like it's so pitch perfect it's so great right i think honestly if she made it any less true to trope but also any less like high-pitched sexy Mm -hmm. this could have read as far too cute for this book for this like series Mm -hmm. like this book was a, is the cutest one that has been For in the sure. series. Like the hero and heroine are both in their early twenties. They're both virgins. They both have no experience in like love or really like they both have a lot of experience in the world in that hard things have happened to them, but they're both very willing to take risks in a way that I think only the young and dumb can. And I think I, that could have yeah. felt really out of place in this world. 
if she hadn't just like, like I said, went so full throttle through this whole them going like, cause this, this ball is sort of where they go from what are we to each other to fine. I'm going to fucking admit it. Mm-hmm. And that whole sequence and even the choice to make like the first moment that they're really physical be when they're totally naked. Mm-hmm. Like, I know it seems insane, but I think anything less than that would have made this feel like a teenage coming of age novel. She, and like that clearly couldn't happen in this sh- series. Yes. And the way she writes them is really good. They really did feel younger than all yes. of the other characters we've read. It's it's just really good. It's She's a really good writer. You know, I'm just going to say it. She's a good writer. She is. And this was, talk about distinctive character voices. This book has that in spades, especially with Charlie and Lark. Mm-hmm. So there is a defining family physical characteristic. In fact, there are two, two moments where this happens. One is the traditional moment that we see in a lot of historical romance. It's not a birthmark, but he basically, one of the characters is the spitting image of his great-grandfather or even his grandfather. Yes. Um, Like, oh, if you had a beard, you would look just like him, right? (laughs) But the other defining physical characteristic And again, I have a ton to say about the Russian court in general. But once you're born into a noble family in Russia, you get tattooed at like age five. They don't ever say what age. That was one of my questions. I I know it's like it's not until like age five or, or later because the baby was not tattooed. Right. But you're assuming everyone grows in a way that the tattoo is going to stretch consistently too, like it was not clear exactly when they tattoo these people. No, it's not clear exactly when, but th- there's a certain time period that you know it had to be. Right. So one of the characters of, yes. is seven when they flee Russia. So and mm-hmm. they had the tattoo. Right. So at that point, like you know it was before age seven, and you know the baby didn't have it. Yes. But like that still means they're fucking doing like a back mural on a small child mm-hmm. that is going to like stretch over their back and look consistent and good like do they know how ratchet these tattoos are gonna look after 30 years and like actual human growth you know they probably do stuff with vampire spit when they do it that like makes it last forever it's paranormal i i have no issues the other question i had about russian families is who gets turned oh yeah so interesting because that's not super well established it's all context clues and it's part of the reason i couldn't tell if people were vampires because there are people fighting vampires in the Russian nobility who were going toe-to-toe with them. Mm-hmm. They were also people with physical deformities mm-hmm. that I would have assumed a vampire would have healed from. Depends on the depends on the vampire. Remember in the last book? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Anyway. The point is, like, there was there was a lot of stuff that was just like given at face value. And I was like, actually, a little more context would have been great. <laughs> like, a little more, this person is a vampire. In Russia, they turn people at this. Typically, the first sons are turned and not the second. Like, and none of that's there. I'm not even sure if what I just said is true. Like, the point is, there is, I needed a little bit more of that to understand the politics of what I was watching. Oh, that's reading. very interesting because I really liked the way she did it. I thought okay. it was really interesting because the people that we're relying on for this information don't have it. Either because they're amnesiacs or because they left Russia at age seven. So I thought I thought it was really well written, honestly. Yeah, I, I think this is more of just a I wanted to know 
than an actual, like, and it would have helped me follow the plot than a, like, I thought it was bad that we weren't told given the lenses we had. Yeah, that's fair. Um, And Charlie and Lark are childhood friends, as we mentioned, but they have their own lingo and language. So one, they've been running, like, grifts and thievery stuff together since they were kids. So, like, there's one point in, as in all heist movies, where he's like, like that time we did at old Jessup's house. And she's like, yeah, exactly. And everyone else is like, what the fuck are you talking about? But they also can communicate in sign language that she learned in her dark past, but brought forward to the present. And the two of them are, like, the only ones until they get to Russia that use it. I also loved how she wove that in. I thought it was so well done. I did, too. Oh, that was great. So it's pretty tropey, and none of the tropes are really supernatural, I feel like. No, I don't think there's, like, a big... There is not, like, a paranormal aspect to the tropes, specifically. Yes, and given how often we complained about sex blood mm-hmm. in previous books, I think that's worth noting. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, like like, his dark side is never, like... She's the one for you, right? Even though, I mean, it, it is, but that's not a big part of the plot. Or I put that in my notes. <laughs> oh, well, we'll have to talk about it then. It's it's really it's really fascinating. Yeah. Uh, so, like I said, this was my second time reading the book, and the first time reading it, it was I thought it was fine, but I didn't like love it. I th- think. It may have to do with what you were saying, that it is a little bit of a departure for the series. So maybe it's just not what I was expecting. And so I was like, "Mm, I don't know if I love this. This time I really liked it. And maybe it's because I knew what basically, I mean, I knew what was in the book, right? Right. So I knew what to expect. And there was a lot more that I, I found charming or interesting or fun about it this time around than I did the first time. Um, so I know this is your first time reading it. What were your impressions? Um, Charlie and Lark were the cutest virgins to ever fuck, and cute is not what I expect from the series. Yep. At all. Um, I also, we, I think we talked about this in the previous book, if not the one before, that because this series, I don't know how many books it's going to be. I was about to say a number, and I realized I have no idea. Leans so much more heavily into the mystery and the heist. Mm-hmm. But I think we said about a previous book that it felt like the mystery and the heist took over the book a little bit. Mm-hmm. I do think that happened here. Um, like, they basically resolve their romance in, like, the 70th percentile, and then the rest of it is the resolution of the heist. Mm-hmm. And while the missions they're on and what's happening to the people they're trying to save are extremely dark and vampiric, and they, like, go to a vampiric sex club, and it's all very, like, dark and smoky and supernatural their relationship is so bubblegum that I think it like didn't always feel like this universe when they were alone together, which I liked. Like that's Mm -hmm. not a criticism. Like I thought it was a really fun departure. That said, you mentioned how like Charlie doesn't really give into his dark side. Like I sort of loved the like uncontrollable nature that never got rapey in the early Mm -hmm. books. Yeah. And I was really, like, pleased with how Beck McMaster handled the, like, you can't control it, but you can get consent. hmm And Charlie being, like, basically taken over by his dark side and definitely having, like, imprinted or faded mates all up on her. And still being, like, but I'm going to be a gentleman and not get off right now. I was, like, 
You are both the world's cutest cinnamon roll, and I also don't believe that for a second, given how the dark side has been described in previous books. I mean, there was um, that. I I have to admit, I love a hero who's like, because she's, I don't want to say she's being wishy-washy, but she's definitely like hot and cold. Yeah. And eventually he's like, I am not going to touch you anymore. Like the next time we kiss or the next time we get physical, it's going to be because you came to me. And I love a hero who does that. Yes. And she does, but he also pushes her a little. Yeah. Um, the only real like plot hole that I noticed, I think there were more like, this is such a convoluted book. Some stuff was so hard to follow, but it's, uh, these books are all massive. This is like nine or 10 overall in the universe. Like I'm fine with not picking up on every detail of overall. I thought it was fun. Charlie has to assemble a team. That is what the book jacket says. I don't know what the fuck his team was for. Right. Right. Like, I mean, I guess they wanted to steal Malloran. Right. But that's not how that went down. And I'm not really sure with any of the assignments that they were given why they couldn't just have brought Charlie. Mm-hmm. Like, it's sort of unclear why they had to open up the Company of Rogues beyond the Company of Rogues, even though that led to a lot of fun, and I'm not, like, overly concerned about the setup. It felt... Bill thought through. Yeah, I, I mean, I think it would have been... I think it would have been more fun if you saw that he was like, oh, I need someone else to help me out because he wanted to go to Lark. Yes. Right? So that it it would have made, it would have just given a little extra fluff to the romance where he just can't, he's been trying to resist her and now he's like, takes the first excuse he can to go get her. Yes. Like, I wish Gemma had said, this is what you're going to be expected. And he'd showed up with another person sort of without her call or her ask. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, so like Lane said, there is a, an extremely convoluted plot in this book. It's not, all of her books have some kind of mystery or some kind of political element, which make them really interesting and really fun. Um, it's one of the fun and fun parts and one of the strengths of the book, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but this book is so twisty that it gets a little confusing. I don't know if that's a problem or not. Yeah, I didn't ultimately care because I'm reading for the romance and for, yep. like, the fun interpersonal dynamics and all of that worked. But, like, this whole book is, like, clearly them going to Russia and confronting the Sergei guy as, like, supposed to be a really big fucking deal. Then I couldn't even remember, like, who had been involved in the Russia shit before or why Russia was such a big deal. Yeah. Which is fine. Like, it didn't negate my enjoyment of anything, but I just wanted, like, again, I'm not sure if rereading everything in the series immediately prior to reading this would have made it better or worse. Yeah. I I do have to say, I I think this is the first time, the first book where we've actually spent time in someone else's perspective other than the two main romantic leads. I'm going to take your word for it. I can't recall. I'm not 100% sure. Like, there may be a chapter or two in one of the previous books. It's just not part of of her prose usually it's not like elizabeth hoyt where you expect full chapters from the next couple right right and in this one it's actually pre the previous couple and then some people we've never even met yes and 
I I don't remember disliking it the first time, but I this time I really liked it because I thought it was really interesting to get Obsidian's take on things. I liked it a lot, actually. Also, apparently I stand Nikolai real hard. <laughs> Are you into him? Do you wish he would have a novella or something? Yes, and I think part of the problem is, for those of you who have read um, the Grisha series and the Six of Crows series duology, and now King of Scars duology by Leah Bardugo, there's a Russian prince named Nikolai, who's a second son in that book, that has, like, a darkness within him he must confront. And honestly, I think I just started projecting all of my feelings about that Nikolai onto this Nikolai, <laughs> and they're all just convoluted, and now I need more Nikolai. Just more Nikolai. It doesn't matter whether he's a vampire or whether he's a grisha bird thing. Yeah. You know. I just, like, he can get it, is all I'm saying. <laughs> um, okay. Uh, we, I think, already talked about this, but I really liked how she wrote Charlie and Lark. Oh, God, yeah. They're younger, but they they don't feel too young. It doesn't feel young adult. It doesn't feel young adult, partially because of how like simmeringly sexy the whole thing is. Mm-hmm. But also serious props. I think part of the reason it doesn't feel young adult is the angst is not gratuitous. Mm-hmm. Like every time you think a plot point is about to drag on too long, they resolve it. Mm-hmm. Like there's this angsty scene where she's like, do I t- not telling him my secret is wing? And like the next scene is her telling him. Mm-hmm. It's like that, that sort of thing I think keeps it from feeling as young. And kept the plot moving in a way that it meant it didn't annoy me when they were a little young. Yeah. And the other thing, so I'm going to spoil something about this book, something that I just really loved. It's nothing plot related or nothing serious. But one of the things I loved, she's been living under an assumed identity for most of her life. Yes. And it turns out that she has been saying that she's two years younger than she actually is. No, I'm sorry. She's four years younger than she actually is. She's She's been saying that she's two years younger than Charlie, but she's actually two years older than Charlie. And um, I loved it so much when he realized. So first of all, he's like, oh, it's an older woman, right? But also it's like redefining these memories that he had of her coming down on her 16th birthday, but actually she was 18 and he was 17, you know? Yeah. <laughs> or whatever. It was, it was great. It was really great. I loved it. Uh, that whole conversation was really well done. It was so well done. Cause he was like, it must've just really pissed you off every time I was like, well, I'm older. So I get to decide. And she's like, yeah, it did. But also like, I didn't have a choice. Yeah. It was really good. Yeah. I also love that there was no, like, one-upping of the other one in the, like, tortured past area. Right. They both have, like, had pretty touched lives, but in very different ways. And were both made vampires in traumatic ways. And I think they're, yes, it was not a trauma off. Yeah. Let's talk briefly about the Russian court. So in the synopsis, it's called the Crimson Court. And I was actually really interested in the way she played with it. Similar, It's similar to the way she plays with the London society, right? Mm-hmm. Because they go to Russia and they're like, look, you thought that London was bad under the previous regime? 
You have not even been to Russia. And I just thought it was this great reference to like the whole system of serfdom. Mm -hmm. And like, if you translate to vampire terms, what that would mean. And anyway, I just thought it was really fascinating. Just the way that they, the way that they treated their servants and their serfs was different. Um, Their privilege was different and the way they exercised it was different. And I thought it was really well done. I thought it was really interesting. Yeah, there were a lot similar to what we've learned in the first however many books of this series. There's the cold rush guards and there's the night hawks and there's all of these different sects and types of vampires and types of rogues and types of. And I will say I felt like the Russian court, you got all of that shoved on you real quick. Mm hmm. And so, like, I wanted more, but I think that's a good thing. Like, always leave them wanting more. But, like, I could have used the same level of detail about, like, okay, these are who these people are and who they've been historically. And, like, because there were moments where I was, like, what is are these people's motivation? Mm-hmm. Like, there's this wolf guard. Oh, God, I forget what it's called. Yeah, I think that's it, the wolf guard. The wolf guard. Like, are they more like the cold rush guards or are they more like the night hawks or are they more like like – you know, it's this, like, clearly, like, militaristic, we're military sect, but, like, why they served, who they served, and what they were doing, and who got to sign, like, who signed up and why. Like, I wanted all that information we have about London mm-hmm. it, that we just don't get. But, it, again, it makes sense that we don't get it. Right. So there was that. And then I also really liked, so this is coming from someone who just, I used to be really into Russian literature. And so I'm not, I don't know that much about Russian culture. Okay. Mm. But I read a lot of Dostoevsky and Tolstoy. Just say that. <laughs> <laughs> and um, there are certain parts because they're in, in Dostoevsky, they're like all these revolutionaries. There are all these different kinds of revolutionaries and some want to do this and some want to do that and blah, 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 blah. And that also existed here, which I thought yeah. was a great touch. Right. So. Yes. Okay. Anything else you want to mention? I think we're good to keep going. All right. Content warnings. As usual, there's blood, gore, and vampire stuff. And you can add to this one some serious torture. Yeah. Some actual, like, horrible torture. I mean, it's not like there are torture devices and they're like, but it's even better because with a vampire, you can't really die. And I'm less like, Oh shit. The like texture of skin is described in a way that actually nauseated me at certain points. Like I am not usually like grossed out by gore. Like this is usually mm-hmm. Meg's section. This book is gory. Mm-hmm. It really and is. Torture that is described on the page, both mm-hmm. psychological and physical. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then there is a section that takes place in a sex club. Yep. And the people a, are not there willingly. Yes. There's a sex, it's a sex auction, right? And they're, the people there are owned by their owners. Mm-hmm. It's not a, a metaphorical ownership, right? It's not like a sexy ownership. Right. Like the characters we're seeing are doing it sexily. Sure. <laughs> Which was interesting, but no, the club overall was not. I guess that takes us to sexiness. What a transition. Um, I thought this was really sexy. I thought that was extremely sexy, actually. This was very sensual. 
which yeah. made it very sexy. Yeah. And like you could really tell she wrote them in such a way that they they have they have been pining for each other for literally years. Yes. You know, at first they were trying to hide it from each other and now they are at least admitting that they're attracted to each other. And then they're overwhelmed by it and not know how to like I thought the phases of a young innocent courtship were fast forwarded through with a lot more oral. <laughs> and that was great. It was great. Uh, I love that Charlie, so Charlie has studied. He's obviously a prodigy. I mean, all virgin heroes are prodigies at sex. Duh. But I do love where she, she made, she wrote a few gestures towards not being perfect right away. He's like very enthusiastic. And then he's like listening and he's like, oh, that's the right spot. (laughs) A plus. I loved it. Yeah. I think my only like, Asterix is I would have liked a sex scene after the losing our virginity sex scene. Because that's the, like, them basically finally going all the way. A lot lot of meet cute childhood friends to lovers finally do it books. Like, that's the final sex scene. And I could have used one after that, especially because it is still, like, a third of the way from the end of the book. Yeah. I... I would have liked that. That would have been fine. There was like one sex scene that was like blood related, but only one. And I thought it was, I have to be honest, Lane. I went back to the beginning of that chapter because I was like, what's happening here? They, Same. I was like, where are they? Uh-huh. And then it turns out that they're under a fucking bridge. Just like dry humping. I was like, yep. yes, yes. But it's like, I don't know how to explain it. The moment where he drinks her blood there isn't even the language about like, and now a part of her is in me as I am in nope. like it, like the forward language and the like sharing of souls that bloodletting has been up to this point in the book. Like she's literally giving him her blood so she can save his life. She's like, Oh shit, I'm turned on. And then they fuck. There's not the like, she's turned on by him drinking her blood, but there's not the intersection of blood and sex. Yes. In the same way. And that was, so refreshing (laughs) it was was. the baths they go to the baths several times so many times and like one you know i love a clean hero yes i do but two woof yes please (laughs) with steamy and where is the one there the baths are where one thing happened that i rolled my eyes at and i think at this point we're rolling into the spoiler tags so if you don't want to be spoiled thank you very much for listening but so she finally gets around to showing him her big ass back tattoo. Mm-hmm. And he's like, she was so careful in the past to keep her back away from me. I'm like, dude, you were wrestling in the water. You were both naked. There's no fucking way. <laughs> I, I actually, when I read that scene this time, because I knew it was coming, I like read it very closely to see. And I was like, mm, I don't think she's doing a great job. Because there's like a part where he sees the globes of her ass. And I was like, yes. Hard yeah. to see that, but not the big, the huge back tattoo. Correct. I was like, okay, no. Um, I also have to say my one big I did not believe in this book, and this is like the biggest possible spoiler, so I'm not even kidding. If you don't want to be spoiled, turn back now. I did not believe for one second that Lark did not recognize Obsidian at all as her brother. Yeah, I, I don't know. He was I, 15. I think- now he's like 29. 
So, like, I don't think the physical transformation would be that big, especially when during one of the heists, they see a painting of him that was painted right before everything. And he, and she's like, you don't have the back tattoo, but he's got giant fucking scars all over his back. Like, the way she's like, there's just, like, the way she is so definitive that he is not. I was like, come the fuck on. There is no way that you would not recognize your brother, who you've just seen a painting of, and you're seeing his full brother yeah. all the time. And they look enough alike that Nikolai recognized him. I, I think I believed it. Because she was seven when she left. And she's wrestling with like. Is he actually my brother? I think she thinks that he can't be. And so that's why she doesn't see it. I I didn't have issues with that part. Especially after she met Nikolai. Well he doesn't look like Nikolai. That's the thing. No but learning that Nikolai's definitely still alive. Yes but then Nikolai is like. It's not him. She but Nikolai's lying. Nikolai. Yeah. Right, Nikolai's okay. lying. I still just thought, like, the fact she was like, I sort of looked, but I realized I wasn't really seeing it. I was like, I think you're kidding yourself. Like, I thought that was a, I thought it was a useless plot point, to be honest. Because, like, them finding out a little earlier they were siblings wouldn't have done anything to the plot, and it wasn't actually that, other than, like, a throwaway line about how now Larkin Obsidian are teaming up. It wasn't that significant in the plot. I just felt like it was a needless thing to drag out. Yeah, I I mean, I, I understand. I think I would have liked her to be less definitive when she was like, yes. you can't be my, you can't be my brother. Yeah. I think if she is like, you know, I, I really think it can't be you because of this. And she's like really disappointed too, you know? Yeah. So, but anyway, that does bring me to one thing that I, that I liked a lot actually is that after they begin a sexual relationship, they're yes. living with the entire company of rogues. Yes. And you have to understand that in all the previous books, when they're getting together, there have been bets going on about like when they're going to consummate or when they're going to kiss or when they're going to announce that they're married or whatever. Right. And on the one hand, they want to do that. They want to have this camaraderie. On the other hand, she's there with her father figure blade and her brother. Yeah. Right? So I yep. actually really loved the way they were being treated by the rest of the company as well. Yes. I, I just thought it was a really nice touch. I really loved the way the company of rogues was used in this one. Like, yes, the heist feel like sometimes it superseded the romance, but the company of rogues never felt like it did. Yes. And I loved who Gemma was in this book. Like I really yes. enjoyed I the way this it all was, worked. It was it was well done. It was really well done. I think I just appreciated it more this time. Yes. So. I mean, honestly, I was taken aback. I think I was very in the mood for cute. Mm-hmm. So, like, it worked. But I can't imagine the first time you read this, if you're not prepared for something this saccharine, mm-hmm. it can be a little bit like, holy hell, what is this book doing in the series? Yeah. Like, honestly, maybe that was it. Like, maybe that's why I was like, what? That said, right, it's com- like super cute, except for the torture, you know? Well, right, but I'm just, I'm thinking back to, like, when Perry. Yes. Like, Perry's book. Like, that was so, like, dark cravings and dark need and dark, 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 dark. And, like, Leo repressing all of them. Like, there's so much repression in these books because they're um, repressing their hunger. And both yeah. Charlie and Lark are not emo about being vampires. 
No. I mean, the previous book in the series was Obsidian and Gemma. And that book is all about how they don't even want to be attracted to the other one because the other one literally betrayed them to their death. Yes. You know, so I think she was like, okay, maybe I maybe I should have a relationship that's not angsty. Also, because, you know, the next book is going to be Malloran and Adele, which is also going to be like super angsty, right? Yeah. So like this is just a shot of minimal angst, high quality, adorable in the middle of so much angst that it is a little bit like, wow, not what I expected, but not in a bad way. No, I thought this book was sexier than the last book. I agree with that statement. Well, thank you. Thank you, Lane. And thank you for listening. We stand controversial opinions. If you're enjoying the <laughs> podcast, you can check us out wherever you can find Latris.